from D. James Kennedy Ministries. This is Kennedy Classics. Kennedy Classics. Hello, I'm Frank Wright, president of D. James Kennedy Ministries, where we are standing for truth and defending your freedom. Welcome to Kennedy Classics. I invite you to visit our ministry website where you can find all kinds of great digital, audio, video, and print resources. It's all available online at djkm.org. Throughout history, there are some events that were so significant, some might say they changed the world forever. For instance, on December 7, 1941, the Japanese attacked Pearl Harbor. Thousands of Americans lost their lives that day, and it was the driving force behind the United States entering World War II. Another historic moment that changed the world took place in 1989 with the fall of the Berlin Wall signifying the beginning of the end of communism, bringing about the major downfall of many communist countries. Or how about September 11, 2001, a day that most of us can recall exactly where we were when we heard the news that America had been attacked. While these events that changed the world were indeed monumental, where do they stack up in the grand scheme of things? There was one event that was well documented that took place over 2,000 years ago. It's that event that has even more significance than all of these others combined. Here is Dr. D. James Kennedy with his message, The Week That Changed the World. Our scripture lesson this morning is taken from the 11th chapter of the Gospel according to Mark. Mark chapter 11, beginning with verse 1, may we hear the inspired word of the living God. And when they came nigh to Jerusalem unto Bethphagia and Bethany at the Mount of Olives, he sendeth forth two of his disciples, and saith unto them, Go your way into the village over against you, and as soon as ye be entered into it, ye shall find a colt tied, whereon never man sat. Loose him, and bring him. And if any man say unto you, Why do ye this? Say ye that the Lord hath need of him and straightway he will send him hither. And they went their way, and found the colt tied by the door without in a place where two ways met, and they loosed him. And certain of them that stood there said unto them, What do ye, loosing the colt? And they said unto them, Even as Jesus had commanded, and they let them go. And they brought the colt to Jesus, and cast their garments on him, and he sat upon him. And many spread their garments in the way, and others cut down branches off the trees, and strawed them in the way. 
And they that went before and they that followed cried, saying, Hosanna, blessed is he that cometh in the name of the Lord. Blessed be the kingdom of our father David that cometh in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. And Jesus entered into Jerusalem and into the temple. And when he looked round about upon all things, and now the eventide was come, he went out unto Bethany with the twelve. And may God speak to us today from his holy word, and may his name ever be praised. Amen. This is the week that changed the world, beginning today on Palm Sunday, the most thoroughly reported week in history, at least until modern communications. It was covered by four reporters, and we know more about these seven days, or eight from Sunday to Sunday, than any other eight days in the ancient or historical period of our world. And from these, we get a very detailed account of everything that went on at that time. He was a wanted man. He had a price on his head. The authorities were seeking him. Various groups, parties, search parties had gone out all over seeking this one to bring him to the authorities. And where was he hiding? He was hiding right at the head of a large and tumultuous parade that was walking and singing and shouting and coming right into the gates of Jerusalem. An audacious thing. It took real raw courage to walk right in to the mouth of the lion, those that were waiting to take him and kill him. And even the soldiers that he sent that Caiaphas sent, came back and he said, Where is he? Why did you not bring him? And they said, Never man spake like this man. And now he's walking right into the city. More than that, he's walking up the steps of the temple. He's coming right into the temple, Caiaphas. And we read that he walked all around and looked upon all things, gave them ample opportunity. Finally, when sundown came, he turned and walked out and went back to Bethany. Now that was the first day of the week that was. On the next day, Jesus came in and he cleansed the temple as he had done at the beginning of his ministry. If they weren't angry enough at him then, they were really furious now. And further, on uh, Wednesday, we read that he went apart. He separated himself, and he was alone. It was a time of solitude. It was the calm before the storm. Jesus was no doubt engaged in prayer and asking God for strength 
for the great ordeal that awaited him. And you will recall that on Wednesday night he was at Bethany where Mary anointed his feet with precious ointment. By the way, that ointment is said to be worth twice what Jesus was sold for. And there was one that was particularly angry at the waste. Waste indeed, and that was Judas. And finally, on that night, Jesus retired to his borrowed room there in the house of Lazarus, and he laid himself down to sleep on Wednesday night for the last time in his life. When he awoke the next morning, he awoke to never sleep again. Now it was Thursday, a day of action, a day when many things were beginning to take place. The priest's scheme and design of taking him was falling into place when Judas came and offered to betray him. That night they had the Passover together. Jesus washed their feet. Do you remember they were arguing among themselves about which one should be greatest in the kingdom of God? And Jesus answered them by taking off his robe and girding himself with a towel and a basin and washing their feet. He that will be least among you will be greatest in the kingdom of heaven. And they go out Thursday night into the Garden of Gethsemane. Jesus takes his three innermost disciples, Peter and James and John, and goes farther and then leaves them to watch and pray and goes yet farther himself and throws himself down and begins to pray. And in that prayer, he prays this, O my Father, let this cup pass from me. And he comes back an hour later and the disciples are asleep and he says, What, could you not watch with me one hour? And he goes again and falls upon his face and prays, Oh, my Father, if it be possible, let this cup pass from me. Now what cup is that? Jesus sees in his mind a cup which contains the distillation of all of the sin and iniquity of the world. Yours and yours and yours and mine, all distilled into that cup. And the Holy One of God, who is of purer eyes than to look upon iniquity, looks into this cup with all of the vileness of human sin and cries out the third time, Oh my God, oh my Father, if it be possible, let this cup pass from me. He extrudes great drops of blood through his pores. So great is his agony. But he concludes with, Nevertheless, not my will, but thine be done. And he goes back just as Judas and the soldiers and the servants of the high priest come. And he steps forward 
and says, Whom seek ye? And they said, Jesus of Nazareth. And he said, I am he. At least that's what the English text says. But in the Greek text, it simply says, I am the great name of Jehovah. And he exudes from himself such power that all of them go backward and fall onto the ground. Just a little touch of the power that they really were dealing with and that if he wished to, he could sweep them all into hell with simply the blink of his eye. No, Jesus was no martyr to a cause. He came as a willing sacrifice to give himself for our sins. And so they all forsake him and flee away. And he's taken to the six mock trials before Annas, the former high priest, and then Caiaphas and a few selected members of the Sanhedrin for an illegal meeting at night, and then again that morning for the whole before the whole Sanhedrin, and then knowing that they cannot put him to death. In fact, they know that very well, for wily old Annas, who once was the high priest, no longer is. Do you know why? Fifteen years before, he had a man put to death without the confirmation of Rome. They pulled his string, and he was out of there. But he managed to get his son-in-law in his place. And then to Pilate to get that confirmation. He finds no fault in him, sends him to Herod. Jesus stands before Herod and will answer him never a word. As a sheep before shearers is dumb, so he spake not a word. Back for the second time to Pilate who can find nothing wrong with him, offers him Barabbas, and they take this vile miscreant instead of Christ, and finally he turns him over to the mob. And those that were crying, Hosanna in the highest, are now crying and screaming, saying, Crucify him! Crucify him! Why? What has he done? Shall I crucify your king? Let him be crucified! How fickle is public opinion. But he's taken to the cross, and there upon the middle cross, the Son of God dies. The end of that long pilgrimage has at last arrived. Here he suffered for us. We may not know, we cannot tell what pains he had to bear. But we believe it was for us he hung and suffered there. What agony. As there in the blackness of noon when even the sun cannot stand to look down on the Creator suffering so and hides his eyes and darkness covers the land. 
And there, in the darkness, the hand of his father reaches down, containing within it a cup. And there on the cross, Christ takes that cup to his lips and drinks down to the very dregs the iniquity of mankind. And the all-holy one of purer eyes than look to look upon iniquity has become sin for us. This is what caused him to extrude blood from his pores the night before. And now he is abandoned not only by all of men, but by his father also. My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? For God must forsake sin. Either in you forever or in Christ on the cross. What have people spend their lives doing? Seeking for fame, fortune, the things of this world, houses and lands and cars and all of the things. How much of them we have. How much time we spend when Jesus dragged his cross down the Via Dolorosa, that way of sorrows, he took something else with him. Did you ever think what it was? What was it that Jesus, in addition to that heavy cross, was taking with him? He was taking with him every last single thing he owned. And that very shortly would be removed. His clothing. Nothing else. Everything else he borrowed. They borrowed a bed to lay his head when Christ the Lord came down. They borrowed an ass for the mountain pass through which he rode to town. But the crown that he wore and the cross that he bore were his own. That cross was his own. They borrowed a room on the way to the tomb, the Passover lamb, to eat. They borrowed a cave for him, a grave. They borrowed the winding sheet. But the crown that he wore and the cross that he bore were his own. That cross was his own. I learned that poem about 45 years ago, and I've always been touched by it. But there's one thing that I have discovered, one fault that it has. 
it's not true. Is it? That cross was not his own. It was mine, and it was yours. But it wasn't his. We deserve the nails in our hands and feet, and we deserve that crown of thorns upon our head. No, that cross belonged to me and to you. Have you acknowledged that, my friend? Or are you still rushing after the baubles and things and stuff and fame of this life? Only Christ will last forever and those that belong to him. This was the week that changed the world and this is the man that did it. Is he your Savior, your Lord, your God? If not, you're missing the whole parade. May we pray. Father, help us to know what life is really all about. And the only thing that we can't afford to be without is Christ. Oh God, I pray that your Holy Spirit may at this very moment, be pleased to draw unto thyself some who are not yet within the circle of his own. Some before their hearts become too hard. O oh God, woo them by your love. May they look at that man on the cross and see in his face divine love, saying, Come unto me, all you that, are, that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. O oh God, touch hearts today. Open our eyes. Unstop our ears. Take away our heart of stone and grant us a heart of flesh. O oh God, you have created us. One day we will stand before you. And this will be the question. What have you done with my son? In his name, amen. Hello, I'm Rob Pacienza, Senior Pastor of Coral Ridge Presbyterian Church, which was founded by Dr. D. James Kennedy, who just challenged us with this question, what have you done with my son? That is the most important question you can ever answer. You see, Jesus is the perfect Son of God, and he died on the cross to pay the penalty for our sins, yours and mine, and to purchase a place for us in heaven. He rose from the dead and offers us the free gift of eternal life. We don't deserve it, and we can't earn it. But if we will reach out in faith, believing and receive that gift, we can have life to the full now and know for certain that we will be with God in heaven someday. If you would like to receive this gift, pray this prayer with me right now. Lord Jesus Christ, I know that I'm a sinner and that you died for sinners like me. I repent of my sins and ask you to forgive me. I want to have fellowship with you and know the full life that you have in store for me. 
Thank you for the free gift of eternal life. In your name I pray, amen. If you just prayed that prayer, we have a special gift for you. It's beginning again. This is the book that Dr. Kennedy wrote for new believers, and it's designed to help you grow in your new faith. To receive your copy of Beginning Again, simply write to our address or call our toll-free number. And may God bless you. The historic week you just heard Dr. Kennedy talk about changed the world forever. We have the free gift of eternal life through Christ because of his sacrifice. Knowing the truth that we know, we are commissioned to spread the good news of the gospel to the ends of the earth. However, many people you share your faith with will be skeptical. Dr. D. James Kennedy helps you overcome that problem in his classic book, Skeptics Answered. In it, he addresses the most common arguments that have kept people from the Christian faith and lays out the case for believing in Christ, all in clear and easy to read language. It's perfect to share with those you want to see come to faith in Christ, and it will also bolster your own faith. We will send you Skeptics Answered by D. James Kennedy as our thanks for your generous donation to the ongoing work of this ministry. Simply write to us at D. James Kennedy Ministries, Box 11164, Fort Lauderdale, Florida, 33339, or call toll-free 888-332-3069, or go online to djkm.org. What if someone asked you how there can be pain and suffering in the world if God is good, or how Jesus can be the only way to God? Would you know how to answer objections like this? Skeptics Answered will equip you to address these and many other common questions and is ideal to share with a seeker that you know in your life. And if you give a generous donation of $50 or more, we will thank you by sending you Skeptics Answered plus the special DVD program, Cross Purposes. This compelling program explores the biblical prophecies about Christ's suffering and examines common misunderstandings about the crucifixion and resurrection. Why was Jesus' death on the cross necessary? And what did it accomplish on our behalf? These questions lie at the very heart of the gospel. There are so many riches in the cross of Christ, and this DVD of this program, Cross Purposes, digs deep into the Bible and history to bring them to life for you. We'll send you the book, Skeptics Answered by D. James Kennedy, as well as the DVD program, Cross Purposes, as our thanks for your generous donation of $50 or more. And as you give, you'll be helping us broadcast the gospel and stand and fight for the truth of the Bible in this time when our religious liberties are under fire. Simply write to us at D. James Kennedy Ministries, Box 11164, Fort Lauderdale, Florida, 33339. Or call toll-free 888-332-3069. Or go online to djkm.org. 
I'm Frank Wright. Thanks for joining us for this edition 